Hey, you, dare to think. Y'all ready to get funky? Pizza's great, but it's not the gospel. Welcome to the campus of LCMSU, everyone. I am the Chancellor, Pastor Marcus Zill. Warning, the show might trigger you. You don't love the gospel. Hey, who let the campus pastor loose in the studio again? Zilly Zilly. Three weeks in a row. Dan Silsley. Dan is the pastor at Wittenberg Lutheran Chapel in Grand Forks, North Dakota. We're going to dive right in to our uh, topic of God speaking to you in whispers. And tell us, uh, though, where, where can people learn about the campus ministry that you all have there at North University of North Dakota? Yeah, we have uh, our website is uh, wittenbergchapel.com. We also do have a Facebook page, um, but really the, the website is where all our information is, and, and uh, love to have you visit if you're in the area. Absolutely. I have been absolutely mesmerized by this book, Misquoted, Rethinking Commonly Misused Bible Verses, because these are things that we face all the time, and uh, you know whether, whether it's in relationships with family, college students in terms of the things that they face on campus, um, where can someone go and get this, Misquoted? Yeah, anywhere you buy your books, Amazon. Uh, if you do the ebook things, you can get it on for Kindle or for your uh, Apple device. So anywhere you can get it. Okay. And uh, it's not too terribly expensive, seven, eight bucks, something like that, I think, in general. And uh, would make a great Christmas gift if you're looking for a last second Christmas gift here. Um, anyways, just set the stage a little bit here. This kind of, you didn't like grow up saying, hey, my goal in life is I want to I write a book once I'm a pastor called about, about commonly misused Bible verses, but you kind of developed this because you were noticing that everybody's asking this stuff, right? Yeah, that was part of it. I mean, um, I was approached by uh, Harvest House who had the idea initially, and I was also actually teaching a Bible study at my church on the same topic. And mm. so um, the two kind of dovetailed together and the book came about and it was it was fun to write and I'm glad that it's uh, getting out there and I'm getting feedback about it and actually the one we're talking about today is probably the one that uh, I hear the most questions about and the most feedback all right so let's dive right into this but, but real quick you can also go back and listen to uh, the other thing well, this is a, the sixth um, the sixth little topic that we've addressed on the program a uh, two series of three uh, programs a piece and so if you go to uh, kfu.org and search for the student union and um, put in misquoted or uh, silsley s-u-e-l-z-l-e uh, you can find all six of these at some point and then listen to them going forward as well as buy the book so god speaks to you in whispers set this up set the stage and uh, what's the claim here the claim has to do with how god communicates with us and I, I served in Oregon before I moved here to North Dakota, and we had one uh, one really faithful and wonderful member there that I would go visit. And Wait, he... you only had one? <laughs> yes, just one. Just, That's just, it. That's I'm it. sorry. Yeah. I couldn't resist. Uh, no, all, of the, all the members were wonderful. Yes. Can I just say that? Yeah. Just play um, it, folks. Go ahead. And I would go visit him, and he... Uh, 
for one, had lived one of the most incredible lives of anyone I'd ever talked to. And, and then also recognized that his whole life was this blessing from the Lord. And I, I don't ever remember talking with him, even, even in the midst of his health issues, where he uh, ever said anything <laughs> negative or uh, that he was f- frustrated. or He just always had this demeanor about him that uh, God was with him. And he saw uh, everything as a as a blessing from God. And the way that he would get at that idea was that he would call things God winks. Um, and so, hmm. you know, it, if he got good news from the doctor, that was a God wink. Or if he won pinochle against his wife, that was a God wink. Or, or when the grandchildren came to visit, that was a God wink. You know, it was his way of, I, I think it was really just his way of saying thanks to God. Um, for all of the blessings in his life. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever heard the term God wink. Now, is it and, him uh, winking to God saying thanks, or is it uh, God winking I think, to him or both? I, yeah, I think it was, it, he meant that God was winking at him. Yeah, that, that God was okay. sort of showing his, his blessing to him, you know. And um, and so, you know, sometimes he'd go through this whole story and then he'd end it by saying, eh, God wink. And um, and so this is the first time I heard this term, and it kind of stuck with me, and it reminded me of actually a, a problem in the church that has arisen. Okay. Uh, I don't think that this member of mine was saying this, but it did remind me of of this misunderstanding about how God communicates with people, and that it's through something like a God wink, or maybe through a still small voice or maybe a gut feeling or an intuition, you know, Um, so that the way we know God is communicating with us is through these various means. Um, And what I notice is then that people would actually start looking to these things to try to find God communicating with them. And so that that's kind of where this chapter was born out of um, is, is basically asking the question, is God's word, in the script is God's scripture, the, the Holy Bible, his word, is it enough uh, for him to reveal himself to us or do we need something more? Uh, do we need God wings? Do we need feelings and intuitions hmm. uh, or do we need circumstances to sort of line up perfectly? And then we know God is at work or is his word enough? And of course in the, in the book I conclude, of course God's word is enough. Um, and that's actually a very comforting thing. Well, I can I can hear people uh, saying to you though, uh, Dan, who are you? Why, why are you trying to put God in a box? Don't we hear that all the time? Is I mean, it, yeah, I I mean, why I are you limiting God myself? Yeah, <laughs> you're um, trying to limit him to his word. Yeah, and so so the question is, well, has God limited himself to his word? Hmm. And and the answer there is yes, he has. Um, the author of the Hebrews says, in many and various ways, God spoke to us by the prophets of old, but now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, and the place that he reveals his Son is through his Word. And so um, I don't have the gall to think that I can limit God. <laughs> I mean, this is the creator of the universe we're talking about. Sure. Um, but I will trust the creator of the universe when he says, this is where you can hear my voice. Um and that should be enough for us. Uh, and we shouldn't be looking elsewhere for it if God has limited himself to this place. 
um, then that's enough. And, and it's where we see Christ and find comfort as sinners. So what, what changed your mind? So you go from this uh, wonderful stately old man who just, you know, sees everything as a blessing from God. What, what kind of led you to, to really kind of question this? Well, it, or at least see I mean, some additional layers to how you should view it. You'll often, yeah, I mean, you'll often hear um, people say, I think God is leading me to X, Y, or Z, or I think God might be trying to teach me through this experience, X, Y, or Z, or um, God laid on my heart uh, to do this or that thing, or God told me, X, Y, or Z. And, and the problem with those things is in the uncertainty. So um, if I think God might be up to something, then ultimately, how do I actually know? Right? Yeah, I, I, I think is... God's trying to tell me, well, if you think God's trying to tell you, why don't you go to where he actually has told you? That's right. And, and then in the scriptures, do we ever see anybody... Uh, experiencing God communicating to them and going, hmm, I think God might be trying to say this. I mean, when we see that happening, there's no question what God is communicating to them. Yeah, these you people. have an example, um, like there, you have a primary example of that, right? And maybe uh, from the Old Testament? Yeah, that's right. Um, we think of the book of Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah was this prophet. And in, um, in his experiences, uh, he has to come up against false prophets. And interestingly, one of the things that false prophets do is they, uh, in Jeremiah, is they appeal to their dreams and visions, and they say that God is is given them uh, a message through dreams and visions, and um, and the messages are always good news. <laughs> uh, hmm. So, so like in the case of Jeremiah, the people are going to be hauled off into exile in Babylon, right? And uh, there's there's this one false prophet, Hananiah who says, yeah, that's going to happen, but it's not going to be for very long. It's just going to be a couple of years, so don't sweat it. You'll get through it kind of thing. And Jeremiah hears that, and he actually says, yeah, I hope that's true. I, ho I hope that's the case. But then God reveals to Jeremiah that's not the case, and Jeremiah has to bring the bad news. And he <laughs> says, no, actually, it's going to be 70 years in exile. Um, and so notice what's going on. You have a false prophet who has good news and a true prophet who brings bad news. And so what makes them true or false is not whether or not their news is good. So it's not like the good news makes the prophet true, but rather it's where's the source of their authority. Hmm. So the false prophet has no authority. He's just making things up. Whereas the true prophet, even though he brings bad news, his authority is God himself. Therefore what he says, the people need to listen to and believe. And unfortunately, Jeremiah prophesied that the false prophet Hananiah is going to die within a year, and would you know it, that actually happens. So Jeremiah is the true prophet, and his word comes to pass. Um, and so, so that illustration, I think, is really good to remind us that even though these, this Hananiah was receiving a vision or a dream or an intuition, what he was receiving was not true. And in fact, what was true was the word of God spoken through God's messenger. Hmm. Um, so again, a good reminder for us, we go to the place where God has spoken, not where we think he might have spoken. There's no certainty there. Absolutely.
You know, one common objection that people, though, often levy at us is, uh, well, you know, gee, Pastor, if, if God spoke directly to uh, Jeremiah or any of the other prophets in the Old Testament, why can't he do the same today? Huh? Mm-hmm. What do you got to say about that? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that quite a bit, too. And so this is, you know, in my book, I have an introduction that is kind of a very brief primer on how to interpret the Bible and how to read it. And one thing I talk about is, um, is the text you're reading descriptive or prescriptive? That is, is it just describing a historical uh, thing that happened? Or is it actually saying to us, this is how things should be and what you should be looking for? And in the scriptures, we do see God speaking to people in these remarkable ways, like through his prophets or through dreams and visions. Even a donkey. Bush. Even a donkey speaks, right? The, the difference is that we never have God promising that that's how he will always communicate with his people. Um, so we don't have a promise from God that he will speak um, in the same way that he did in the scriptures. We do read him, read about him doing that, yeah, but thanks, we never have this clear promise. Yeah, thankfully, know? we don't have uh, have donkey worship out there like with snake handlers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Can you right. imagine? Well, God spoke once through a donkey, so uh, so now we're all going to well, gather we, around the donkey and wait for God like Quakers and wait for the donkey to speak oh, to man. us. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. I've never thought about I, that. I had never thought about that either. Just came, I, God laid that on my heart. I'm just kidding. Lord have mercy. (laughs) What we do have in the scriptures, though, I will say, we we do have the promise uh, that God's word is enough and that through those promises he sustains us. And we have the warning never to add to or take away from that word. And so, uh, and on top of that, I'll just add this, we also have the warning that Satan himself can masquerade as an angel of light mm. and and that even false prophets will do great and amazing signs and wonders and so given all of that together if it's possible for satan to deceive in that way um then all of these extra things that could be god could actually also be satan and that in and of itself should make us retreat and run to the sure and certain word of god every then, single time and then getting back to uh what we talked about last week about judging that's time to judge. You got to judge. You got to test these spirits, right? That's right. You yeah, t- everything that you hear that is making a claim about or on behalf of God uh, requires judgment and discernment. And what are we judging it against? <laughs> We're judging it against against the Holy Scriptures. Yeah, but Satan, Satan, Satan makes it easy for us to detect who he is, right? I mean, doesn't he just kind of come up and say, "Hey, I'm Satan here. I want to screw your life and send you to hell." He didn't. Yeah, if only he did. Yeah, right? it would be really nice. Uh, hey, here yeah. I am with the red pitch, you know, red suit and the pitchfork, and, and I want to harm you. He doesn't do that, right. does he? No, he's so much more subtle than that, right? Which which is what makes his work so uh, deceptive. He twists um, God's actually... word where he wishes, and then he also, of course, the, the infamous root question for that led to, to sin enter the world, did God really say? Right, yep. So by definition, what you're saying is we're supposed to, we need to turn to where we have a certain word. Satan, on the other hand, is tempting us to doubt its certainty at its core. He'll have us look. He'll have us look anywhere else as long as it's not the certain word of God. 
He does not care where we find our comfort as long as it's not in Christ, because anywhere else will give us false comfort, and that's exactly where he wants us. Um, and so he's going to do everything he can to deceive and twist to the, the certain and sure word of God. So we talked about uh, the passage from Jeremiah. Is there anything in the New Testament to maybe bring out in this regard? Yeah. Um, for example, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, Paul is talking about um, his contending with false prophets. And, and um, this is actually where he brings up the fact that, that, uh, that people coming along claiming to have something new from God are in fact servants of Satan himself. Um, so, so that uh, that um, anytime we hear something that goes against God's word, we know where it's coming from. We know that it's the the source of that thing is from Satan. Um, and so again, Paul uh, would have us go back to what uh, God has revealed through His apostles and now through His word, which which they uh, had written down uh, for certainty and for comfort. As you think about uh, taking this to our college students um, and the comfort, I would guess that a lot of people would think, well, I want God to speak to me in new ways today. I want there to be new revelation. I want there to be, you know, new things have come up. I wish God would address. But why is it more comforting when you think about it? to know that, that God has put himself in this box for us? Because the question will always come down to how do I know? So uh, it's our natural condition as sinful people to, to be looking for God in places he hasn't promised to be. Mm -hmm. uh, I think partly because that's kind of exciting, like you said, and it, and it would be nice if he gave us more specific answers for certain things, you know, that's a temptation for us. But ultimately, I think if we step back and think about that, there is actually no certainty in that. And if we're honest, we are just kind of projecting our own desires upon something, uh, some circumstance or event, and then calling it God which is, you know, the, the firmer way of saying that would be, that's blasphemy, and that's idolatry. Because uh, I'm wanting something uh, from God that I don't seem to be getting from his word, so I'm going to project that on some feeling or, or intuition or circumstance and call that w the way that God is communicating to me. And the, the term for that is simply blasphemy, saying that God said something he didn't say. And so there's no comfort, there's no certainty. I'm just making things up ultimately. Um, and so we, we want to know where has God spoken because when God speaks, it is trustworthy. His word is sure and firm and certain, and we can hang our life on it. And so the only place that we have for that, um, is in his written word. It's the way that he has chosen to reveal himself and therefore it's enough. And so where it doesn't speak to a certain thing, then I guess we simply have to say, God doesn't want us to know about that. And we walk in faith. You know, on the college campus, um, and you know this as well as I, as do your students and any other students listening out there, um, everybody wants to have something new. Um, everybody wants to find some, some sense of some new spark or some new, some new way of thinking about things. Um, when, you think about, when you think about our college students and the, the other types of groups that they face on campus and 
know, everybody says that they're spiritual today. Um, the statistics demonstrate that more people than ever before in general say they're spiritual, less people are committed to any one uh, denomination or, or necessarily, uh, you know, one church body. And so it seems like we, we want, we are a spiritual people, of course, uh, you can be spiritual and also not be a believer. Uh, but mm-hmm. at the same time, what's happening is, is that the focus is less on the word of God, less of what it means. And people don't choose a church or where they go to hear God's word based on what that church believes. What kind of, remi- how important is this as a reminder um, for for ourselves? Um, I mean, many of us, you and I both, maybe we've, we flirted around with the different places in college and when a lot of young people go to other churches and whatever, and many people today um, are, are tempted to join churches for all sorts of other reasons, but what's really the, the root the root of why you should choose where you go to church to begin with? The first question should always be, is what is confessed here true? Hmm. And to answer that question, you have to have something to judge it against, you know? So, right. so, then, so then the question is, is what this church confesses in line with what God's Word reveals? Uh, that should always be the first question of any, you know, church that you're going to attend. Not, does it make me feel comfortable? Does it have young people? Does it have a you know, coffee bar? Is the music really good? Um, is it, is it, you know, really, really, really liturgical? And all of that stuff is secondary <clears throat> to is what is taught in this place true. And if it is, it will proclaim Jesus over and over and over law and gospel over and over and over so that you would know that your sins are forgiven and that you have the hope of salvation. That is what should be the the litmus test. Um, Unfortunately, like you said, that's not um, what most people look for when they enter a church and, and then they kind of get kind of tired of that one and they'll go for looking for a new one and then they'll get tired of that one and go looking for a new one because we're, like you said, we're always looking for something new. Uh, But when it comes to God's promises, if we're always looking for something new, then we are also going to lose the comfort of what is firm and foundational for us. And you never want to trust your feelings come and go, you know, um, shoot my relationship with my wife. Um, Anybody married can probably agree with this. You know, sometimes the feelings aren't, you know, if the feelings were the same way as when you're on your honeymoon, that, you know, that's not how it is. Feelings come and go, but the the bond that ties you together is greater uh, when it's placed where it needs to be placed, and that's squarely on God and his word and what he's given you to focus on. Um, and don't, you know, just kind of as a reminder, I mean, if I recall one of the Proverbs uh reminds us in Proverbs 30, every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Don't add to his words. Don't we want to be careful of that too? I mean, we're not to be in the business of adding to God's revelation. Isn't there enough for us to focus on what he has given us? Well, that's true. I mean, there's enough in God's word already to mine the depths of your entire life long. Uh, and and just adding to it um, not only implies that it's not enough, but um, we're just adding more uh, to what is already there that is already sort of beautiful and, and full and rich in and of itself. Um, sometimes on my snarkier days, I always want to ask, 
uh, when someone says, God told me X, Y, or Z, I, I always want to say, hold on, let me get my Bible so I can write in what you're going to say in the back of my Bible, right? Because <laughs> um, that's what we're saying, really. Sure. If this is from God, then then I should, then it's binding on me too, so I should really know what it is. But no one is, is going to Yeah, we to need, we need extra that, blank pages that. at the end of our Bibles, not for the sake of our own notes, but to sake to add to, for the sake of adding to God's Word when we run into these kernels of wisdom from new people. Mm. Just uh, in case God might speak. Yeah, sure. Right. And, you know, I, when I'm on my snarkier days, which is normally every day, <laughs> somebody says, well, well, God told me. I'm always like, well, you know, that's kind of funny because he told me the opposite. So now what do we do? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, thank you. You know, I think I think the, the, the moral of the story here, more or less, is this is why, and we've been using this uh, music to introduce and close out these shows, is, Lord, keep us steadfast in thy word. And that, that's really the point. And uh, thank you, Pastor Silsley, uh, for, for not only writing this book, Misquoted, Rethinking Commonly Misused Bible Verses, but helping us uh, through, through each of these things we've walked through to help us uh, return to that. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope it is a blessing to Christ Church. Absolutely. Well, that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check out the archives of this program at kfu.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help.